For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in New York football podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals and the only place for every New York football team and their fans. Do you believe? I'm your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez, and welcome back to another episode of the New York Football Podcast. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Like, download, subscribe, and rate. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at New York Football Pod and at Tino Rodriguez. We got a lot to talk about on today's show. My good friend and social media editor for Odds Checker US, Zach Pags, joins the show to talk about the XFL and the upcoming New York Guardians home opener on Saturday. I also get into detail on the New York Giants hiring their entire coaching staff, and I highlight some key hires from that staff that should impact the team moving forward. The Jets are also working on a contract situation with Jamal Adams, and we catch up on Army and Rutgers' recent moves before National Signing Day. But before we get into all that, I'm going to recap the Super Bowl and my best bets that, of course, made you all some money. Super Bowl 54 has come and gone, and after the dust settled, your boy was 4-1 on best bets and an unfortunate 0-1 on wild card bets. Nonetheless, Kansas City wins 31-20 to and officially won all three postseason games by 10-plus points after trailing all three games by 10-plus points. Patrick Mahomes named MVP 26-42. 286 yards, two touchdowns, two ugly interceptions on back-to-back drives. Added nine carries, 26 yards, and the first touchdown of the game. Um, All the bets hit pretty nicely. All the bets hit pretty nicely. Kansas City money line, never a doubt. Um, Although I did have to re-live bet them at plus 375 uh, when they were trailing by 10 to uh, really capitalize on that line and capitalize on betting for Kansas City as well as having a futures on them. So that was nice. That was the icing on the cake. Um, but I think the one I'm most proudest of is the one I I was beating the drum all week that Kyle Juszczyk was going to score. And did he score? I mean, an electric play-action pass that he broke a tackle, dove into the end zone. I mean, everything I thought it would be 
it was that and some. So much so, he almost scored another. <laughs> and he fell just short. Uh, I didn't have him scoring two, so uh, I wasn't rooting for that one all that much. But he got in nonetheless, and I'm very happy that the 9-1 to one bet I put in on him uh, cashed pretty easily. It set up everything else uh, for the game pretty nicely. Just covering some other bets that uh, hit, we had Travis Kelsey to score. He was at minus 106, of course, Casey Moneyline. And uh, one that I didn't get credit for at first because it was a uh, strip sack and uh, it just looked like a forced fumble. But, of course, coming from a defensive end, Nick Bosa finally got credit for that sack. He was at plus 117 for the game. My, uh, might I add that not only did Nick Bosa only register one sack, but he had 12 pressures. 12 quarterback pressures by himself. That defense was in the backfield the majority of the game. They totaled four sacks as a unit. Um, And the 49ers did not lose because of that defense. No way. I mean, they contained Mahomes as well as they could. And uh, granted, head coach Kyle Shanahan is going to get a lot of grief. He has officially blown the two largest leads in the fourth quarter in Super Bowl history. But... Jimmy G, like I talked about on this show last week and the week prior, it came down to him having to make plays, and he and he didn't. He missed George Kittle open once for sure. The other one got batted. He was looking his way um, before Casey took over, um, got the ball, and took the lead. Uh, he was going to extend the drive on third down and got batted at the line. So he missed him twice. He missed Emmanuel Sanders on a deep post that, could have been a touchdown, maybe a competitive ball, who knows. But he completely overthrew him, so we'll never know. But that's on Jimmy G as well. He stood in the pocket. He didn't really look comfortable. And besides his poor play, I mean, he made some solid throws at times early on, but mainly because they were still able to run the ball so well, which is why I do think Shanahan does deserve some grief because – you know, towards the end of the game there. I mean, 10 minutes in, they had just picked him all, Mahomes off for the second time in the fourth quarter. And they just did not milk that clock the way they could have, especially because they were running the ball so successfully. It looked like he was confused on what would work because he just didn't have a beat on what Garoppolo was going to do. And uh, I think that pick that he threw, it was a bad throw. There was a meme out there uh, of him throwing that with his eyes closed. And, uh, I mean, after seeing that, it's it's deservingly so that you're going to question what his abilities are, are in the pocket. You don't want a guy back there just turning the ball over, throwing the ball with his eyes closed because he gets a, an ounce of pressure in the pocket. Nonetheless, uh, something we do have to talk about, 4 and one I lost uh, the George Kittle bet, unfortunately. I did think he would score a touchdown. Uh, Didn't happen, but that's okay. The one that I'm extra salty about is my wild card play over two and a half pass attempts, uh, players to attempt to pass, and I almost had it right away, right out of the gates. Second drive of the game, 49ers are driving down. Debo Samuels had already gotten a reverse And they ran the reverse from the left side, and he pump fakes twice, three times maybe. And it looks like he's just going to throw it or throw it out of bounds or anything. 
Uh, but everyone's covered, and he just decides to tuck it and run up the middle with it. And they never attempted a trick play after that. And so what could have been an easy cash right out of the gates turned into a loser. But that's okay because that was a wild card and no real money on the line there. But all the KC bets hit. Travis Kelsey scored. check scored. Bosa got a sack. And we got some really good memes out of all this because the halftime show was electric. Shakira killed it. J-Lo, she killed it as well. But if I had to put money on it or decide or judge i would say shakira won that one uh it's a good thing she started it she definitely had the better dance moves although j-lo did have the better lights and the extra stuff shakira killed it and is responsible for all the good memes we got out of this she decided to do this thing with her tongue we're not quite sure what it was still but um it most most resembled several scenes from Spongebob. Uh, and you could check this out on our Twitter account. I retweeted it. I uh, liked a few of them. I, it goes on for days. The amount of uh, Spongebob videos, you can compare that to. There's some other good ones out there as well. But um, shout out to Shakira for saving the Super Bowl halftime show with some legendary memes that will hold us over a few months. Uh, not only talking about my losers, though, I want to highlight some really bad beats out there. Shout out to my man, Ruck. He had, uh, he hit the parlay. I retweeted this also on our Twitter account. Six to six, hit all six legs going in to that final knee down possession. And this is going to hurt a lot of people to hear because he's not the only one. Mahomes went into this with 44 rushing yards. Now, They still had two timeouts left, did the 49ers. So they knew they were going to try to use them, delay the game, keep it going, try to get the ball back in some way. And so KC decided to run backwards and waste some extra time. Now, to most, seemed like a smart move, understandable, waste the time, no big deal. The first two times was fine. But then he decided to go back another five yards. He went back five yards, each of the three knee downs accumulating minus 15 rushing yards on those three. All the betters needed was, especially my man Ruck, was over 29 and a half rushing yards, which they had covered by 14. He had plenty to spare. Uh, And he lost. He lost a six-team same-game parlay that would have been $75 to win $2,500 and... It just stings. He wasn't the only one. There are betters everywhere. I know that line went up from 29.5 to 36.5. That even covered. And that's just brutal. So um, a shout-out to everyone out there who won. Shout-out to the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, for solidifying his legacy. Uh, My man Kyle Juszczyk. But on that note, we're going to get out of the Super Bowl, switch over to some New York sports. I want to be a part of it, New York, New York. So the New York Giants have officially assembled the entire coaching staff for the 2020 season under first-year head coach Joe Judge. And aside from offensive coordinator Jason Garrett and defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, we haven't really touched on too many of the interior coaches that'll really change the foundation and turn the corner 
for this team and be the nuts and bolts of what this team's attitude and mindset is going to be, especially during training camp and throughout the season. So I'm going to take the time to highlight three coaches that I think will be interesting to watch as the season goes on. And I want to start first with one of the last hires Judge made in defensive line coach Sean Chaos Spencer. Um, This guy looks like the real deal. He has one of the coolest nicknames I've heard in recent memory of uh, coaches in chaos. Um, And he has a resume to back that up. Uh, Coach Spencer was the associate head head coach at Penn State last season, as well as the defensive line coach there for six years, as well as the run game coordinator. I mean, he's produced NFL linemen across the board. Um, He set a program record with five consecutive seasons with 40-plus sacks. And um, I haven't heard a bad thing said about this guy. Saquon knows him. He was a coach there while he was there. He had uh, very positive things to say. And uh, in regards to what this team needs to turn around and really focus on is that defensive line. I mean, interior, fine, that was good and all. But the the, the statistic that pops out there, five consecutive seasons with 40-plus sacks, is very encouraging news for uh, – a discouraged Giant fan like myself who watched this season go by uh, without really being able to put hands on any quarterback. So Spencer will really have his work cut out for him in trying to have his numbers translate from the college game to the pro game. But it's only up from here for the Giants as the defense ranked uh, in the bottom half of the league, 11th worst, with only 36 total sacks last season. On the other side of the ball is the second position group that definitely needs some work in uh, the offensive line. And coming over from Dallas with offensive coordinator Jason Garrett is offensive line coach Mark Colombo. And before I get into his resume and his statistics, I just want to say he is the coach I am most excited about in terms of what he can bring to this team and uh, the leadership he can provide for an offensive line that desperately needs it. Colombo's coming over. From Dallas, where he coached the O-line since 2016 with Jason Garrett. Um, While he was there, obviously Dallas was known for an infamous offensive line, but the numbers to back it up, they ranked in the top five as a unit, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, over that time. He was an 11-year pro in the league, six six seasons with Dallas. And um, the most encouraging thing to me was that if you ask former players, uh, people in the Dallas organization, even Jason Garrett himself, He'll tell you that uh, Colombo is a hands-on guy as an offensive lineman coach. He's a teacher, not a presenter, and that is huge. I think um, if you saw what was going on with the offensive line last year, um, in which ranked fifth worst in run blocking and 12th worst in pass protection, this is according to footballoutsiders.com, there was a lot of confusion going on, and it looked like the team was essentially told things and not really showed and explained it in detail. And uh, for the same reason, I'm very into coach, uh, head coach Joe Judge as a hire. I'm very into Mark Colombo as a hire as well. Um, this team needs coaches that are really going to get into it, really demonstrate and show these guys how it needs to be done and not just tell them what needs to be done. Because especially in football, you uh, it's way easier said than done. If you don't understand what's going on, if uh, a team mixes a protection on you, especially on the O-line, it is a lot easier to be shown it than just pointed and explained and just say, do this, do that. 
Um, and he'll be very much needed for a guy like Will Hernandez, who his physicality is still there, but his growth over the last two seasons hasn't really shown up. Uh, also, according to FootballOutsiders.com, the guards on this team has ranked, uh, ranked sixth worst last year and third worst in 2018. Uh, just, that's just overall uh, in production and pass protection and um, run blocking. So still young, still time to recover, but a guy like Columbo will be very much needed to help the interior of this line as well as getting everybody on the same page. Lastly... Uh, now this, I'm not sure will be good or bad, but it definitely plays into the factor of Judge is a first-year head coach, and they wanted to add coaching experience, yada, 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 and he's going to bring back a guy he worked with over in Mississippi State and a good buddy of his by the name of Freddie Kitchens. Oh, Kitchens is a household name at this point. He was the former head coach for the Cleveland Browns last season, as well as the offensive coordinator and interim head coach the year before. He was a running backs coach and uh, is being brought over to the Giants to be their tight end coach. And he's been a tight ends coach. That was actually his first job in the NFL. He started in Dallas uh, with Parcells as a tight ends coach back in 06. And uh, I don't know how much is to be gained from Kitchens, although he's limited to just tight ends. And uh, Judge, you know, definitely hired him to be a familiar face on the team. I will say this. Uh, He's definitely a poster of what not to do as a head coach for uh, Judge. Uh, definitely don't wear a t-shirt saying it was uh, the Steelers' fault after your prized defensive end just swung his helmet at him. Uh, you know, don't sink to that level. Um, but on the same note, you know, Kitchens is definitely a quality coach. You know, he took over that Cleveland job because his role as a coordinator and his knowledge of football helped get him there. Um, he just wasn't a great communicator he wasn't a great uh head coach and leader which is fine because he's not going to be the head coach and leader here I think Judge is gonna run the ship and uh turn to Kitchens as that familiar face to really be his eyes and ears in terms of personnel and more specifically in the tight end position um and voice his opinion when he sees something that you know maybe he doesn't necessarily agree with or something that didn't necessarily work in uh in the past when he tried to do it. So um, it definitely helps gain that coaching experience uh, that a first-year head coach would need. And um, an interesting hire, regardless of how you look at Freddie Kitchens, um, whether you're excited or not so excited about that decision. Um, on that note, we're going to switch over to the New York Jets, who will have their hands full this offseason. The Jets have the second most unrestricted free agents of any team in the NFL, only second to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they have 22 unrestricted free agents. Um, headlining it will be Robbie Anderson, as well as fellow receiver Demarius Thomas. And they have three linemen, including uh, starting left tackle Kelvin Beecham. Then you have guard Alex Lewis. And uh, although he started not uh, stable in the team, but right tackle Brandon Shell. More importantly, not only do they have all those unrestricted free agents, but there has to be something done about their best player, all-pro safety, Jamal Adams. Now, last week I came on the show, talked about how I saw Adams all happy, bubbly, um, and just really doing it all over at the Pro Bowl. 
and I was worried that the Jets were going to do something to uh, make Jets fans mad. But almost immediately after the podcast released on Wednesday, uh, Adams came out and tweeted and put reports out to several New York outlets that he was optimistic that a deal and an extension can be done uh, with New York. He tweeted out he wants to be in New York, and he thinks he's earned an extension as an All-Pro. Now, the catch is he's allegedly looking to be not only the highest-paid player, the highest-paid safety per year, uh, and surpass Eddie Jackson's $14.6 million per year, but he wants to match that and guarantees as well, especially because he still has years on his rookie deal. Um, and if that's the case, Earl Thomas has the most guaranteed money as a safety at $32 million. So the Jets will have to break bank to do that and make him their highest paid player and the highest paid safety in the league. And it's just an interesting position to put them in, uh, especially being that this team was shopping him not longer than five, six months ago, you know, even less. So uh, in terms of the logistics, uh, Adams is under his rookie deal. They still have two years left with a fifth-year option. His base for this season is uh, $755,000. Uh, he gets $3 million guarantee, three point five, And uh, you know he's looking for that guarantee, especially because safeties, uh, safeties are a dime a dozen in a sense. Uh, the Giants showed that with Landon Collins. The second they ask for money, they kind of ship them away because safety is a position that is kind of undervalued, even though the good ones are the captain of your defense and can be the real playmakers, not only as pass rushers, as run stoppers, but, you know, cover guys. They really do it all. Uh, and a guy like Adams has definitely proven that, especially as an all-pro. Uh, with that said, what I'm worried about is the Jets will definitely do something to not get this done in the offseason. And it will carry over into training camp and potentially into a holdout. And if it gets that far, they're in big trouble. Because not only do I think that they won't get full value for him, but we just, everything I just said, he's a great player to have. He's their best player on the team. And uh, he's an all pro. And if you don't pay him or bring him to a ugly holdout, those things never work out for either side, in my opinion. Just procrastinates just creates more holes, creates more problems uh, throughout the organization and on the team. Uh, just makes them look bad, especially for an organization that has had reports uh, by several players that, you know, they're going behind people's back trying to make trades. They're not really looking out for their best intentions and uh, so on and so forth. So uh, if I'm the Jets, you want to get this done way before training camp, sometime along the offseason. But with the amount of money he's looking for, I definitely expect this to procrastinate a long time because... The Jets are the Jets. Uh, nonetheless, uh, in some AFC East news, uh, although they were speculating and even Adams tweeted out, please leave the AFC East, uh, looks like Tom Brady, after tweeting out uh, a random picture of him looking like he was leaving Gillette Stadium, is staying firmly there. Uh, that picture was tweeted from a Hulu commercial that appeared in the Super Bowl and uh, doesn't look like he's going very well. Uh, very far. It looks like he's staying in New England for the time being, um, and the Jets are going to have to deal with that moving forward. So um, whether they keep Adams or not, that's a problem they're going to have to deal with, and I think they both know that. On that note, we're going to segue out of the NFL and switch over to what's going to continue to provide us with some football entertainment over the next couple months. 
or hopefully over the next couple of months in uh, what is the next experiment for a football season outside of the NFL as we introduce the XFL. If you smell what the XFL is cooking. Saturday marks the long-awaited return, a 19-year wait, actually, of the XFL, a league that was established by owner Vince McMahon 19 years ago and lasted only one season, uh, obviously looking to last a lot longer this time around and put football into the bellies of all these hungry football fans out there who are itching to continue the gambling and itching to uh, continue watching football even after the NFL season is over. Now, the season kicks off on Saturday, but the New York Guardians won't get things going until until Sunday afternoon when they host the Tampa Bay Vipers at MetLife Stadium. Now, as far as notable Guardians, there is none more notable around the New York area than former Giants offensive coordinator Kevin Gilbride, who who is the head coach and general manager, but held the offensive coordinator position for seven years with the New York Giants, and won two Super Bowls, infamously as the whisperer for Eli Manning. Now, on the other side of things, on the Tampa Bay Vipers, the favorites going into this, the five-and-a-half-point favorites going into this game, um, is Mark Tressman, who is the head coach and GM of the Tampa Bay Vipers. And he's a familiar face for a lot of football fans as well, as he was the former head coach for the Chicago Bears for a season there, but is best known for his work in the Canadian Football League, as he was the coach of the Montreal Alouettes and the Toronto Argonauts more recently. He's a three-time Great Cup champion, twice with the Alouettes in 2009 and 2010, and one with the Argonauts in 2017. He's also a CFL Coach of the Year two times back in 2009 and 2017. Now, if you're expecting NFL class act football, this is probably not for you. Back in the day when the XFL first was a thing, it was very, uh, very wrestling-like. It was very Vince McMahon. It was very WWE. Now, I'm not quite sure if he plans on doing that again this time around, but there are some interesting twists to the rule changes that they have, and it looks like they are going to try to keep things very football-related and very about the game. So this weekend will be very interesting in terms of expecting the unexpected in the quality of football we're going to see and the amount of showmanship the XFL feels the need to uh, thrust upon us uh, as we watch on Saturday and Sunday afternoon. On that note, we're going to dive into this interview I had with Zach Pags. Really good conversation, really good interview. Uh, We talk about a lot of things from the different rule changes, comparing that to the NFL, some things we're hoping to see with the XFL, Uh, Maybe some things WWE-related still incorporated in the XFL, and a lot more. Uh, So enjoy. Here he is, Zach Pags. All right, now we have on my man Zach Pags. You can follow him on underscore Pags on Twitter, as well as his social media editing career at at OddsCheckerUS. 
Pags. Welcome to the show, man. You are the first guest here on the New York Football Pod. I'm, I'm glad to have you. You know, it's, it's quite an honor. Uh, you know, we go back a couple of years or so, and I think we always talked about maybe hopping on a podcast together, and now that dream's uh, finally coming into fruition, so I'm happy to be here. And just like in that dream, of course, naturally, the first thing we can think about talking about is the exciting XFL season that's uh, around the corner this weekend. Uh, kicks off on Saturday. We got the Guardians game on Sunday, which I think I'm actually attending with uh, the high school football team I coach. Fingers crossed, you know, I mean, we can only hope I get to see that in person, but uh, exciting stuff. Are you looking forward to it? See that in person. You might be able to play. I don't know anyone who's on these rosters. If you could uh, get signed to an XFL roster, I wouldn't be surprised after going over the Guardians. I know uh, Matt McGloin was regarded as one of the best uh, backup quarterbacks in the NFL during his time with the Raiders and then really fell flat in his one opportunity. But um, I don't know. It, it should be interesting. I think it's exciting. You want to know the unfortunate thing for Matt McGoin is I actually think he is still the backup on the <laughs> Guardians. So, I, I mean, it transitions from the NFL to the XFL, I guess. You know, certain things can change. Some things stay the same. No uh, one holds a clipboard like Matt McGloin. Hey, man, all about the finger point, all about – <laughs> given direction, letting other quarterbacks know what they should do instead of just showing them how to do it on the field. Absolutely. All right, so speaking of things, uh, changing, staying the same, uh, we're going to talk about some of the rule changes here. Um, I'm just going to start off by some of the more interesting ones. There's exciting ones, but the, the ones I'm most curious about are, of course, the special team stuff. Now, hear me out. They're going to change the kickoff rules. <laughs> They're starting the kickoff teams on the opposing 35-yard line. And uh, as long as the ball gets past the 20-yard line, they will then run after he receives the ball. I have no idea how that will look or what to even expect from that. I mean, I'm, most of it's going to be patty cake blocking, I'm sure, but I'm just scratching my head. I've never seen anything like that ever in my life. So, <laughs> I, I'm not sure the players fully understand. I, I, I know the coaches are probably, you know, have all the X's and O's drawn up on this, but I think, again, this is a fresh take at football, and I think uh, it, could either be, it could either be fantastic, it could be something the NFL should uh, be on their toes for, but I think the XFL is trying to separate itself from the current football content we see. So this is definitely one of the rules that I'm still having trouble wrapping my brain around. But Is it possible to have a false start from the 35? And if there is, I mean, is it really a head start? I, 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 where there, there's 22 people on the field. To fit them all within 35 yards of each other on a kickoff is just, it's just mind-boggling. <laughs> I, I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're looking for intense collisions or they're trying to eliminate intense collisions. Well, that's what they the said. They're, they're, they're eliminating the intense collisions, but um, they're trying to get rid of touchbacks. So, it I guess, like a, I it mean, like a traffic jam on the, on the turnpike. It looks, yeah, I, and I, no I, one knows how to merge. Yes, and yeah. Yes. And you, if you could tell by these rosters, a lot of these people couldn't merge onto NFL rosters. So let's see how they fare the XFL. Okay. And the, so now the last one, which uh, is another head scratcher, but this one kind of makes sense. So they took a poll and 47% of football fans say they don't like punts naturally because teams give away the ball inside their own yardage, you know, on a, on a potential scoring drive. And uh, there's a lot of out of bounds and touchbacks. So what they, what, what they're changing is if the ball goes out of bounds or is a touchback and you're kicking from inside your 50, it automatically goes to the 35. So it essentially means go for it or you're going to sacrifice like 
five yards in field position, which is, I kind of like that one, but the catch is, again, it's like the kickoff. They can't move until the ball is kicked. So I, it's going to decrease collisions, I guess, full speed, but there's still, like the defensive player has so much of an advantage. Well, like, what this, just, yeah, what I think this really is, is it's encouraging offenses to go for it therefore either creating more scoring opportunities for the offense or the defense gets a stop and then the opposing offense gets to come on and with better field position than they would have. So I feel like this is an attempt for, you know, a higher scoring game and, uh, you know, to give viewers, you know, something more to watch. Because you're right, no one does really like punts. Sorry, Pat McAfee. I know you're a listener of the show. But uh, we, we don't want, we don't want uh, the viewers to be bored. We, we want points. We want action and fourth down. Uh, conversions and attempts is what's going to do it is there anything uh specific rule wise that you're looking forward to i think the point after a touchdown i know you and me are interested in this this is really going to destroy some spreads you oh. know, with yeah with the, uh, the one two and three point conversions yeah, the one two and three point conversions I, I mean spreads could pretty much be thrown out the window with something like this i you mean, know i'm going to jump out here and just say i'm a little disappointed that the three point conversion is only 10 yards away i so, I mean, we've both dabbled in flag football before. I'm pretty sure it's way further in flag football, at least 15. I mean, if it's going to be three points, we might as well back it up, make it challenging, you know? All right, one, two, that's normal football stuff, okay? We could keep that within five yards. Let's make the three-point a little challenging. Let's, let's open the field up. Let's space things out. Everyone knows they're going to pass the ball anyways. So, make it challenging. Give it a little... Give a little oomph in there, you know. Let's see what Matt McGloin could do in the pocket. Again, not to be too down on the rosters, but I, I'd like to see how many, how many of these teams could successfully rattle off that three-point conversion from the ten. I think you could put it at the seven or the five. How many they would still ten-yard uh, completions they could actually have? It, it, exactly. I, I think um, I'm interested to see how coaches go after it, how aggressive they are. But you know, with a lot of these head coaches, some older guys, some, uh, you know respected NFL guys, you know, who had pretty decent careers as coaches in the NFL. I wonder if they'll stick to the more traditional uh, standpoint or if we get any uh, analytics guys in their ears telling them about the most efficient. Well, uh, here's what I think is going to happen. As a, as a high school football coach, it, what, I mean, I don't know how well the kickers are going to be in the XFL. I know we've had some uh, famous people trying out to be <laughs> Ocho Cinco as one, but uh, – <laughs> For us, uh, we, we don't have a kicker, so we go for two every time. I'm pretty sure they, they'd rather settle for just going for two each time. I mean, you already see it in the NFL. Just go for two each time. If you make it at least one of the two times, it's the same thing as kicking two extra points. If you Absolutely. make them both, I guess you have the advantage. Right. Yeah. This is, this is, I was going to say, this is something I wanted to talk about, which I'm trying to see if you could explain it better. Now, the double forward pass, I get it. I understand what they're trying to do. But now, if you throw the ball forward, I mean, just this is how I see it. You throw a wide receiver screen, it's a forward pass. How is he going to throw the ball again? Just how? What, what is he going to do? Like, it, just to have an incompletion? Is that intentional grounding if he's going to get laid out and just throws it up? I, I'm trying to wrap my head around. How do, how do you pull off a double forward pass? I mean, other than a flea flicker, which isn't even a forward pass. Again, I think this is just another um... – this is another easy on the eyes thing for the viewers. If you throw, you know, when we see double passes in the NFL now, there are those, you know, was that forward? Was that a lateral kind of moments? This totally takes that out of the equation. I don't totally see a benefit in teams actually attempting this unless, 
I just thought of this on the spot, like a, a bubble screen, and then the blocker of that bubble screen leaks out, and you flip it to him quick. Nice. But that, that, that would be cool. That that would you know, and that's something new and exciting. Something the XFL is trying to separate themselves. But I think from you can pull that off on the screen. I'm pretty sure like you could get that off as a backwards pass. What I was thinking, and then I looked into the rule. I was like, all right, this is going to be a backyard forward lateral type of stuff. Like he's going to be run down field and just launch the ball forward. And they're like, no, has to still be behind the line of scrimmage, which is fine. I think it would be more fun if you could just spot call forward lateral like you were in the backyard and just launch the ball forward and just see where it goes. But I guess. There has to be some rules in the XFL, although we'll see how long those rules actually last because I'm sure Vince McMahon's licking his chops at the possibility of getting some uh, wrestlers to get on the field randomly. Have Edge come from the crowd and just spear someone out of nowhere. I, Edge, I is would back. Edge, Edge is back. Made his appearance in the Royal Rumble a couple of weeks ago. He, he, is, he is back out of Edge retirement. Edge is back. The spine is okay. Where's Lita? Is she anywhere too? No, she's not. She's not there. I think she does like commentary. She's uh, she's she's still involved. The, all those people are lifers. I'm trying to think. Who is it? Edge Christian? Is it Christian? Yes, Edge and Christian. <laughs> they, they they were they were quite the team. All right. Uh, okay. Last couple of rules I want to touch on here. Um, okay, they have college overtime rules, which is of course I think the NFL should do that. So that that one I think is common sense. But here's something. Uh. It's kind of like college. Uh, they have a two-minute drill uh, rule where it's called the comeback period. And it says that even if the ball is completed inbounds, the clock is going to stop, and you have five seconds off your play clock uh, until the clock starts running again, which is just like I, you wanted to talk about a spread nightmare. I mean, if you're – I don't think you could ever bet the under in an XFL game ever. No, and I don't with, think they want a rule to. like that, oh, my God. I don't think they want you to. I, I think they, uh, they, they knows what draws eyeballs, and that's points, points, points. So I don't, I'm curious to see what these opening lines come out as. Well, the, the Guardians open as a, a five-and-a-half-point dog at home, which is downright disrespectful. Downright I, I, disrespectful to Kevin I, Gilbride and the guys. I think you have to take every dog this opening week. I mean, who knows who's actually good and who isn't. I, I think that could end up profitable. What's crazy, too, when you think about it, with all these conversions, it's like the points are going to be everywhere. I mean, who even knows what, what the ending number on some of these things are going to be? I mean, five and a half, like in an NFL game, it's like, okay, that's six points. But it's like, I mean, if you go for three every time and don't get any of them, or you go for two, it's just like, I mean, you quickly end up in a hole. Your, think, your team is yeah. uh, I think that's definitely something we see in the future of the XFL, Maybe as future as in later on this season. I know – when the Alliance started up last year, there was definitely uh, some sluggish offenses and uh, defenses that, I mean, in, in a situation like this, I feel like a defensive scheme and being a defensive player, you're at an advantage. Offenses aren't fully in sync. I, I think uh, we'll see some struggling XFL offenses in the opening weeks. And then later on, I think we'll really start humming and see those, uh, you know, 90 point totals and stuff like that, hopefully. Do you think it lasts longer than the AAF? I, I, I think I trust Vince McMahon more than I trust whoever runs the alliance. And the fact that I don't even know their name, I think, says, says I, enough. I think Bill Polian took over midway. He's the only one I know. Other than that, I have no idea. Plus, Vince McMahon probably has a bigger pocket for it. All right. I want to switch yeah. things over and yeah. get into uh, the stuff we really want to talk about. And, of course, we already mentioned Edge. But I want to play a game with you here. Now, I know you have some questions for me as well. But I'm going to throw some uh, yes or no questions at you. And which wrestler could play in the XFL this upcoming weekend? 
If you put on some, put on the pads, put on the uniform, he could suit up for the Guardians. All right. Now, Let's hear it. We could start with Edge. Edge. Edge could definitely play in the XFL, right? Edge has that outside linebacker kind of build. I, I could already see the hair flowing out of the back of the helmet, but him coming off, him coming off the edge in a blitz situation and just going through a quarterback, I could definitely see Edge as an outside linebacker type of player. All right, um, Scotty too hotty. <laughs> Scotty too hotty. I wasn't <laughs> expecting Scotty too hotty. Well, we know he has the end zone celebration down pat with the worm. Exactly. This is why. Let's just see how often he could get in there. I, I could picture him as a slot receiver. But to be honest, the first time he said his name, I just imagined a kicker. Yeah, okay, <laughs> a kicker, holder, long snapper. I, yeah. I mean, I thought of him for the, uh, the showmanship of the, what the XFL is going to bring us and the worm in the end zone. I, he doesn't even have – he can suit up. I don't know if he'll play. But he can, I would save a roster spot just to take a 15-yard penalty on those 35-yard kickoffs anyways. Just send him down there. Just get the guys going. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I see it now. I think uh, Scotty Tuhati definitely – could, could make a roster and be, you know, the 51st or 52nd man on that roster. All right, the last easy one before we get into some hard ones. Now, uh, I was watching Gridiron Gang the other day. Or not Gridiron Gang, The Longest Yard, sorry. Yes. Longest Yard, two very good football movies with convicts. So, uh, easy to get them confused. But yes. if Goldberg actually put on pads, do you, it, where does he play? And uh, what, what do you make of roster? Goldberg right now? Oh, yeah, Goldberg right now. Ooh. I don't know about that. I know his last match in the ring with it was either the Undertaker or Brock Lesnar. No, it was the Undertaker in Dubai, and that was just dangerous. Both guys couldn't lift either one, either <laughs> either of their opponent up, and it was just disgusting. I think well, I didn't see. I see. I didn't see that match. I thought the last match I thought of was uh, I guess it was WrestleMania, and he just it was just spears. The entire the entire match was them just spearing each other. It was him and Brock Lesnar, and. and <laughs> I no, it, Lesnar lost. It was it was just Goldberg spearing Lesnar actually. Now that yeah. I remember it, so yeah. I mean that's so, what I thought about. I figured from a tackling perspective, but you're right. I think uh, his closeout speed would be tough. He'd have to be an interior lineman if anything. I, but he's I, too tall for that. I think an interior lineman, or maybe you you line him up wide on in punt situations, and he could try to get after one with a block. You know, short burst of speed like we've seen in these matches. I think if you line him up on the outside, you could hopefully get that double thud from Goldberg. Uh, so, okay, now, not so easy ones. Not so easy ones. It's going to be a little tricky, but uh, I'll start one with, I'll start with one of them that I think is a yes, Rey Mysterio. I don't, I don't know where you could put Ray. I, I, I think. Slot, baby. Slot or, or like a, a third down back out of the backfield. I mean, he's going to be quick. He's going to be real quick. Are any XFL teams running the triple option? Because if you put Ray Mysterio under center in a triple option, he's quick, he's small, and he's, he's going to be hard to find. I you think, will not uh, find that ball. You will not. You will not find, find that ball. I, I think uh, Coach Munkin should give a call to Ray Mysterio, see if they get him up at West Point. I don't know if he has eligibility left. I mean, Ray Mysterio looks a lot younger <laughs> than he actually is. If he wears a mask, you'll never know how old he really is. Throw a helmet uh, on. <laughs> I want to settle this one, too, because uh, I think we might be torn on this one. Do you think Cena would play in the XFL? John Cena would be I, – I don't want to draw too much comparison to uh, a certain wide receiver that's looking for a job in the NFL. But I, John Cena definitely has the diva qualities to him. He's always that's used what to I was the, thinking. He's that's always used to being the face of the program. I think if the money's right for Cena – I mean, he played Division III uh, football. He was a guard, I believe. But um, 
you know John Cena has to be the quarterback, even if he's never thrown the ball in his life. Goes back to the longest yard, he could throw like Brucey. But uh, his hair, his his recent hairstyle is what makes me question whether or not he would play in the. He went from John Cena to John Senator. In my yeah, oh, I mean, I haven't seen any of his recent movies, but they can't be much better than the than the last ones I've seen. So, uh, I don't know if the hair is helping him, but uh, you know, for Cena's sake, I uh, we just want him back to normal. I I just want him to wear a fitted hat and some uh, some sweatbands again. I, I just don't know if we'll ever see it. You would need to franchise tag John Cena to get him to show up to an XFL camp because there's no way you could meet the money he will demand. All right, last one, last one. Um, Shane O'Mac, the son of the owner himself, will he get on the football field? So he, Shane O'Mac's been doing death-defying stunts his entire life. Since we've seen him on screen, he's always doing something crazy. I'm trying to think of the most dangerous position in football, and I've figured out what Shane O'Mac can do. He is a punt returner that will never wave for a fair catch. He's going to return that no matter what. Mm-hmm. So well, I think he'll be the type of punt returner that'll try to do the fake fair catch and then still run with it. Yeah. And, and then just, he's not afraid of getting hit. We know that. I mean, he'll probably like just not even go for the ball when you think about it. He'll just be a punt returner. And as they try to get him and wait for the ball, he'll just lay a hit on someone. I think he could do that. Or I think especially with the, the way these kickoff and punt, retu- uh, punt return uh, rules are, he can definitely find a spot on special teams. I would just love to see it so I could see him skip around if he makes a tackle. You know what I mean? The Shane it, O'Mac skip. It, it, is the wedge outlawed in the XFL? Because I could see Shane O'Mac being a wedge breaker, just diving yeah. into three guys. It wasn't It wasn't on the rule page, but uh, I think that's a question for the man upstairs. I think we could ask Vince. Uh, I'm sure he would be pro-wedge. I mean, if, if they're still uh, – if they're trying to encourage returns and, like, move things up, I'm sure the wedge – I mean, wh- what's a wedge if guys are taken off from, like, you know – 30 yards out it's not as impactful but then again line Shane O'Mac up on the inside of the uh, kickoff team for sure one more wrestling related question here now this one's gonna make make you scratch your brain a little bit okay who will win this wrestling KY jelly match all right (laughs) we got Andy Reid Mike Leach and Rex Ryan now this is a two-parter so you answer that triple threat question and then I'm gonna roll some out there for you okay so I might be a little biased because I did just finish Mike Leach's book, Swing Your Sword, and he's very analytical, very prepared. Not to say these other two coaches aren't, but I think when Andy Reid hears jelly, he's not thinking KY, he's thinking the mm. one that goes with peanut butter. Does he still try to eat it anyways, you think? No. No way. No, 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 no. No, but he definitely, his brain is over there. Okay. Rex, Rex Ryan was the third. Yeah, Rex Ryan was the third, but now, so you like Leach. Now, here's what I'll do. This works out perfect. Now, we throw Rob Ryan in there, and we tag team them against Mike Leach and Andy Reid. What do we think? Now, you just said Reed, his head's not going to be there, so that'll be a Ryan versus Leach matchup, two-on-one, essentially. You think uh, you still got that in the bag? Are competitors wearing shoes in the <laughs> KY Jelly? Uh, Does, I don't so. know if that is. If that's because if, if, that's, if that's the case, Rex Ryan is going to be distracted with all these, these toes out. <laughs> so I, I, I think uh, I, I'm going to have to give it to Leach in a psychological warfare. Maybe he'll like judo throw and use their own momentum against them. He'll as just the start Ryans, yelling at them. Yeah, as the Ryans tend to do, they try to 
overcompensate with blitzes and high-power offenses. So maybe we could use that momentum against them. Now, you, this is the perfect segue for me because the reason I thought of this question was I was deep diving into Kevin Gilbride, like I told you. Yeah. And I was like, all right, what's something good I can get on Kevin Gilbride? Is there anything Guardians-related that I could turn into a wrestling? And there is. There is. It wasn't easy to find, but in 1993, Kevin Gilbride was the offensive coordinator of the Houston Oilers. They were playing on primetime football against the Jets. At halftime, they were winning 14-0, but that didn't stop Rex Ryan and Rob Ryan's father, Buddy Ryan, from talking shit to uh, Kevin Gilbride. And what resulted was the two coaches on the same team fighting each other on the sideline. You could find this footage on YouTube. In 1993, Buddy Ryan punched Kevin Gilbride in the ear (laughs) mid-game while up 14 points. They were shutting the Jets out, and they punched him in the ear, and they had to be separated. And I never believed more in the the leadership qualities and the abilities of Kevin Gilbride. Leave the two Super Bowls aside. If you can take a punch in the ear from Buddy Ryan, that's, that's championship pedigree right there. I, th- I think I'm more concerned of the fact that I'm not sure. Did he punch back? He, he tried. He, I think uh, there were players and coaches right there. I, again, they were on the same team. I don't think anyone really expected it to happen. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't a clean punch, but he definitely caught him in the ear. I believe it was the left ear. So it was a nice, clean right hook over from Buddy Ryan. Intense guy. Buddy Ryan was an intense guy. If uh, you ever watch his old stuff, uh, a very uh, passionate defensive coordinator. I would just love to know. I guess I could look more into it. What was said? I mean, what could have been said? They were winning. I mean, is 14 points not enough? I mean, you're pitching a shutout. You don't even – that's all you need. Just literally finish the game. It's fine. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it, halftime hit and punches were thrown. So, hopefully – I know Gilbride has a lot more age than he did uh, back in 93. But if we see anything like that, kind of stuff that gets the fans in the seats that i, mean, I, I, I want to see that i wouldn't be surprised if gilbride had uh the, the brass knuckles loaded up in his pocket and then maybe we get a cheap shot and he throws it uh throws it to an assistant and then hopefully the guardians end up with uh the pin and the cover and hopefully yeah, pull, pull it out of the uh, turnbuckle or from his sock like a challenge flag yeah no exactly like a challenge flag that's oh, exactly that, see that's that's a rule i could get behind okay you get one challenge flag for one sock and you're also allowed brass knuckles on the other sock. If you don't really agree with the challenge call that the ref makes, you can bring it out, but only one time a game. And if you lose, that's it for the season. You only get one brass knuckles challenge per game, but if you lose at any point, that's it. You're relieved of your brass knuckles duties. I think uh, I'm looking for Vince's email address right now. I'm going to send that, send that over and CC you in on it. These are the ideas. Get Oliver <laughs> Luck on the phone. I want to talk to him. Yes. All right, well, that's pretty much all, all I got for you. I got one more question, but do you have any wrestling-related questions for me? Yeah, so I was just kind of looking through the XFL rosters and then looking through some of the WWE rosters, and I just had a quick little game I wanted to play with you, XFL player or WWE wrestler. Okay. So, all right, I'm in. All right. First one, Alistair Black. <laughs> all right. I'd also like to preference this by I haven't seen – See, like, I know the old guys. I'm not yes. really sure of any of the new guys. Alistair Black, though. Alistair just doesn't seem like a football name, so I'm going to go wrestler. Yes, he is a wrestler, correct. Okay. This next one. Eric Rowan. Oh, God. Um, uh, football player? 
No, he is a wrestler. He's oh my part of, god! He's part of the Wyatt family with Bray Wyatt. Why is his last name not Wyatt? Or is that that's a part of the story? I think it might be part of the story. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll leave Vince at that point. Okay. Kenneth him. Kenneth Farrow. Oh my god! Uh, football player. Yes, he okay. is a running back. He used to play for the Chargers in the NFL, and now he is with the – I'm looking right now. He was just signed. That's why I came across my feed. Regardless, he is in the XFL. Okay, somewhere. All right, somewhere All right. on these rosters. May get cut, may, may end up being the best player in the XFL. We don't yes. know. He could be any of those. Okay. Last one. This is someone – this might be an easier answer, but I think this is someone that could have easily done both back in the day. Marquette King. Marquette King. Is he actually in the XFL? I mean, that's a football player. He's a, he's yeah, a punter. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, yeah, I see he is a notable player in the XFL. I'm not sure what roster he is on yet. Definitely notable. Yeah. Definitely notable player. There's, there's a couple of other uh, notable guys that I'm not, you know, some old names that we remember, like Will Hill. Yeah, I, also, I saw Will Hill. And then also Antonio Callaway. I think uh, that's yeah. someone who's, you know, very young, explosive talent, just, you know, had his problems off the field. So I think um, I think I'm excited for the XFL. We're going to see a lot of old names that we love and a lot of guys, you know, maybe looking for redemption in the NFL. I was going to say a name we're actually going to see that's probably familiar to most people. I don't know. I think he was a backup, but Andy Murray is going to be the quarterback for the Vipers. Yes. Know, the and then uh, Hard Knocks legend Brogan Roback is also in the really? NFL. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. And of course, you know, they're, they're playing the Vipers. Mark Trussman. <laughs> that coach, I mean, he's known on a national scale, you know, yes. legend in Canada, legend, Canadian football, God, some would say three, three great cup uh, championships. I mean, put him in the hall, but yeah, we could also year, though with the bears only one year. Remember Ohio state legend, Cardell Jones. He's yes, I, that I knew that Remember, I knew he, uh, I see he's back from beating kids in the hospital in Madden 96 to 30. And now he is in the XFL. Good for him. Uh, if it translates from Madden to uh, the XFL field, I mean, it's only up for here for Jones. Cardell Jones, also holder of one of the all-time tweets, we ain't here to play school, which I <laughs> agree with in college football. So, yeah, we have a lot to look forward to. A lot to look forward to, a lot of characters on the field. Um, I was going to ask what you're expecting, but I don't Yeah, I don't know. That That's my last question. I have no idea what to expect, to be honest with you. Um, I'm – what I think is actually going to happen early on is it's going to be regular football. I mean, obviously there will be rule changes, but I think they're going to try to copy the AAF format until they really need to uh, change things up. And then they're going to throw the WWE twist. I have a, uh, I mean, it's earlier in the show. I play it when I intro the XFL, but the rock came out uh, back in 2001 and yes. Uh, if you smell what the XFL is cooking, uh, I don't know if they could get Dwayne out there to uh, intro this on Saturday. I mean, I would love to see it. I just don't know if they're going to go that gimmicky early on. No, I, I think this is actually a different attempt. I think that this is trying to be an alternative to the NFL. I think they're trying to take this seriously. I know it's Vince McMahon's involvement, but that opening press conference, he wasn't very showy. He wasn't very, uh, you know, glitz and glam. I think he, he wants to, start a legitimate football league, something that could rival, you know, the billion dollar industry that is the NFL. 
And if there's one thing Vince McMahon loves more than entertaining, it's, it's making money. And I think he sees a real opportunity in this. Loves making money. Plus, it's a redemption story. So I'm sure. Absolutely. And anyone knows if you watch the WWE, all about redemption stories. Yes. Edge. Let's just leave it at that. Edge. Edge. Back. He's back. He's back. All right, Pags. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, man. That interview with Zach Pags was brought to you by Believe, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? All right, we're going to wrap things up with some college football news. Now, National Signing Day isn't until Wednesday when the podcast is dropping, so we won't be able to give you the inside scoop on all the moves by both the Black Knights and the Scarlet Knights until next podcast. But nonetheless, there is still news to cover from this past weekend from both sides, uh, starting with Rutgers. The Scarlet Knights hired a special teams coordinator in Adam Shear. Shear was a special teams consultant at Mississippi State last season, but notably in 2018, he was the Texas Tech special teams coordinator and was nominated for the Broyles Award, which is uh, given to one of the best assistant coaches in the nation. Uh, he was only one of three schools to produce a semifinalist for both the Lou Groza and Ray Guy Award, which is both the best kicker and punter in the nation. And uh, has ties to Shiano back at Ohio State in 2017 when he was a special teams quality control coach with the Buckeyes. Over at West Point, not much news was brewing aside from bowl tie-in for the next six seasons. The Black Knights, as long as they're bowl eligible, will face off in the Independence Bowl three of the next six years. Now, two of those games will be against Pac-12 opponents in 2020 and 2024 and one will be against an AAC opponent in 2022. Now, a side note, Army's football account did tweet out something for Black Knights fans to get excited about. Now, we already talked about newly hired defensive coordinator Nate Woody on this show, but they put out some stats to get you guys excited. Over 19 seasons as a defensive coordinator, Woody ranked in the top 30 10 times, seven times was he in the top 25, four times in the top 15, and twice in the top 10 for total defenses in the nation. So Black Knights fans, get jacked up about that because that's a lot to look forward to on the defensive side of the ball. But that's it for today's show. Thanks again to Zach Pags for stopping by and lending me his time. Uh, Again, guys, download, like, subscribe, unsubscribe, rate, resubscribe, Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, Go to the Believe website, B-L-E-A-V.com. We are Believe in New York Football, the New York Football Podcast on Twitter. You can also follow myself at Tino Rodriguez with an underscore. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for tuning in. All feedback is appreciated. See you guys later. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.